And with that, I say, welcome to Geese of Kids, your bi-weekly geeky podcast from a parenting point of view. Joining me this week is myself, Eric, obviously, and Steve Hawk, uh, Shouts, and Matt Moore. Oh, and Stu. Stu, you're, 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 yeah, you're fairly yeah. regular now. That sounds weird. Yeah. He's eating his fiber. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want you to say, but yes, prunes. Prunes is the secret. I, I think I think Stu's more regular than Steve. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, yeah you, you did get pizza today, so you know that helps. <laughs> yeah, I, I I hope so. Yes. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. How you get? How are the rest of you regulars doing? Oh, peachy keen. I'm pretty good. Stu? Good. I'm you actually uh, drunk. Not. I had to drive, so I stayed relatively sober. I'm sorry. That, I'm, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Responsible. Yeah. Hawk. Good. I'm very good. I talk to you every day, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> and um, so this week we're doing this whole celebration of, of fandom, what fandom is, um, how we can introduce people to various fandoms that we enjoy, and because we're doing that for a special reason, because it's our hundredth episode. Sort of. Technically, it's one one, but I don't care. This is our hundredth episode, <laughs> so we thought we'd invite some of our friends from the past. And I guess a new person <laughs> from the future, from the future and the past. And That's the past. Probably. We had more people er, like earlier today, and then they just started dropping like flies in winter. That's a phrase, right? So it is now. So joining us from way back, not way back. It's only been a couple episodes. Is Mallory? Hi, Hi. Princess Mal. Hi. Well, I'm no longer now. Princess Mal now. Queen Mal. Ooh. Yeah. How's it going? It's good. Was there a coup? Was there uh well it depends the king died so <laughs> i mean oh. oh oh we were wondering what how that like what happened to the guy who yeah. played the king so the, the the actors are now in a new role so like they'll lost their job but like story wise the king died although this is a different king than the last show but for a queen to be in charge the king had to die apparently I, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, have they never seen Frozen? Uh, I, I didn't write it. <laughs> in case our listeners aren't completely aware of what we're talking about, um, Mal works for Medieval Times. Medieval Times, yeah. Oh. Yes, yeah, so she, she used to be the princess. Thought she was going to play or something. <laughs> oh no. Fair, fair enough. We, we encourage people to go listen to our episode about Medieval Times. Yeah, it was really, it was really yeah. fun going there and talking to all the people. And trying to coax out the whole, when are you going to bring the queen thing? And none of them budging. <laughs> it was quite good. You, 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 you held fast and yep. steady. And yeah, we'll have to come back. And yeah, 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 sure. now, so. I'm hoping to come back next year um, just a little yeah. bit because um, the little, little baby is um, just a little, yeah. little too little. Yeah. Just a little. Mm. And I said That's that a lot of times. So, <laughs> yes. Thanks for coming on, Mal. I don't know of if course. I'm talking in the mic properly, so I'm going to look this way, but cheat out like an actor. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also joining us is Belle. Hi, Belle. Hi. Welcome from the land of chocolate over to here, to Canada, <laughs> the land of poutine. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't understand, Belle is in Germany. And we are in Canada. Yes, yes, yes. Well, well. You know, that whole thing. Um, excited to join this podcast at like two in the morning. I'm so tired. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like three a.m. I'm that's good. We'll make it nice and lively at least. Uh, well, maybe Fixing we'll see. Right. We'll see how it goes. Um, Let's keep her awake. For those of you that are new to the podcast, we are a conversational podcast, 
and we talk about things that we like and how we can introduce it to parents and kids, you know. Mm-hmm. So let's start it off with what is fandom? Like, so fandom to me <laughs> is Bueller, Bueller. Bueller. I, I think it's something that you're passionate about. It doesn't have to be something nerdy like Star Trek or Star Wars. Hey. It can be. Yeah. <laughs> it could be you. You could be fat, uh, like a fan of food and stuff. It's something you're passionate about. Um, you don't have to memorize things, but it's just something that you like. You really enjoy and you like sharing with people. What do you guys think about that definition? Yeah, it's like a spark. You know, it's like it, when it, every subject comes up and that it's, you, your interest peaks. It's something you want to share with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just something that speaks to you on some level for whatever reason, either because of, you know, when you came across it, but, uh, you know, usually there's something to it that, uh, you know, they're just... Uh, Keeps it coming back. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And if you jump on Reddit, you can see the really, really vocal bands. And, um, <laughs> like, the, like you, when people think about it, they often think about people that go to Comic-Con or whatnot as those fandom fanatics. Like, that's where the, the term comes from. But I think it's morphed into something more general like a general love but, but like even if you love. even if you think of something like fan expo which is um, canada's big version of comic-con and and how it's you know when you think of a convention you think of oh, science fiction or comic books but it's grown mm-hmm. into something so much bigger than that like lots of different areas of fandom sort of in, in, encompassing in there like like sports was was a thing for a couple of years there with fan expo it died didn't it it, it, it kind of yeah. did yeah yeah, they yeah, couldn't, they couldn't yeah. It. It, was, it was hard you know they they're confused the okay. nerds and the, the jocks were yeah, so they were in separate buildings, but you know they could they could feel like in, in that Simpsons episode where Lisa's you know, with that anyway. <laughs> I was gonna say, um, I think one thing that's interesting though with fandom is because yeah, when you do talk about fandom, people do immediately assume that level of um, <clears throat> of being fans of something that you would go to conventions, dress up, so on and so forth. But I think part of that has evolved from the fact that because of the internet and social media, it is much easier to find uh, groups of people who share your interests. And that's why fandom, I think, is a, is a real thing now. It is, it is a, a living element of, of pretty much all the things that we're going to be talking about tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the, the groups of people who individually 20 years ago would have enjoyed these things now don't have to go to conventions. They, they can just share their love uh, for the topic online together. Yeah, it's funny. Like, when I started bringing Stu to when I was in this um, thing, like, mm-hmm. it was not... The young trope. Yeah, no, I ruined it. I'm sorry, Steve, okay. but like it was um, it was not as big as no. when we started working there, right? Like, because we went there for a couple of years before we started working there, and it just ballooned. Like, they started doing the 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 speed dating and stuff, so that people of the same like likes yep. could find each other. Yep. It was really cool, like seeing it fan. What if since you have worked at Fan Expo, mm-hmm. just like me, what what has been your experience with this? growing fandom oh uh, that's a i don't it's a that's big, a big question. question for a lot of alcohol that's, isn't it <laughs> when, I, when i first started going with you i like i i didn't recognize that it was smaller than it uh, eventually became because i mean i was always so overwhelmed uh just in the first uh i mean the, that like when you took me to fan expo that literally was my first time and uh i've been i broke that cherry didn't i yeah, you did. You did hard. Um, it was a thumbs up. <laughs> Sorry, Mal. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you say that they're bigger now, and looking back, it's like, yeah, I guess they were. But I mean, those first few times that I went there, I was just blown away. Um, 
just by what I was seeing. Because I, I had never been, to, like, I grew up in a small town. Mm. I had not really been to anything that large to begin with, other than, like, a shopping mall. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a question I really can't answer, or, uh, answer um, properly. Uh, sorry. <laughs> No, no, that that's no, fair. It's, like, it's, you know, it's a good observation. It, I think it was it was more apparent to me because I remember when it was in just one building, and then we swapped to the yep. other building because it was just yeah. a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. And now it's both buildings because yeah. it's just grown so much. Yeah, fifty thousand people. It's, it's crazy. We, I think we're in like the top five biggest comic cons. In it's uh, one of the. I thought, actually, I thought it's the top three. Yeah. Is it top three now? I yeah, can, Seattle's is number two or three, and the Toronto one is either two or three, and of mm-hmm. course San Diego is number one. Yeah, speaking of Seattle. Bell. Yeah, yeah. I may live in Germany, one? but I'm from Seattle. Let's talk about <laughs> Fraser. That's a good segment. <laughs> <laughs> we could have. That could have been your fandom student. Oh man, I'm surprised you didn't go that way. But anyway, did you ever go to the one in Seattle? Um, the Bell? Emerald City. The Emerald City. Yep. Have I been to Emerald City? I've been to Pax. I don't think I've ever gone to Emerald City. Hmm. Pax is a little bit smaller, but still, Pax is uh, very yeah significant. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but anyway, let's actually go straight into um, our actual fandom. What we enjoy, what we can, what we think we can, you know, share our share with for, other people. Of. Yes, thank you for bringing up the talking thank that I can't do. Uh, <laughs> so, thank you for the words. I'm a wordsmith. Um, so let's let's start with the, the realm of fantasy, which is a very general topic, but. Um, especially in the last couple, I guess the past 15-ish years, yeah. maybe longer. Yeah. Um, fantasy has seen this big resurgence since um, Lord of the Rings came out in theaters yep. in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought we'd talk about Harry Potter and talk about um, Lord of the Rings, which are two of the topics that two of our fine hosts here would like to talk about. Let's start with Harry Potter because that's the one that keeps on giving, <laughs> especially with the <laughs> latest uh, Fantastic Beasts. Bell. Um, when did you first uh, get into Harry Potter? Um, so I first got into Harry Potter through the books. Um, my aunt gave me the first book as, I think, a birthday present um, really, really soon after it first released in the U.S. I, I can't remember the exact year, but um, it was a while back. <laughs> um, and... Uh, I am dyslexic, so reading was really difficult and, and still is, um, so I don't always, like, immediately get into things, and so, like, the first time I read Harry Potter, I got through, like, the first chapter or two, and I was like, I, I can't do this, it's, it's too straining, and, yeah. like, two or three weeks later, one of my friends was like, have you read this book? It's really good. And I was like, ah, and they were like, no, do it, do it. And so I like pushed through and yeah, by like the halfway point of the book, I was completely sold. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. fair. Did anyone, uh, did anyone else read the books when they're, right, is anyone else a Harry Potter fan here other than me? Uh, yeah. 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 All of us pretty much. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> The book came out in 1997 in the UK and then 98 in North America, just for mm-hmm. those listening. Um, did, did everyone start with the books or did yes. anyone start with the movies? Uh, I started with the movies first. Oh, I started with the books. I remember my grandparents picked up at Costco, like a pack of the first books. 
when I was grade six and they came to our house and they're like, oh, we have these cool books. It's about a boy wizard. And I was like, that sounds good. I'm not going to read that. Um, and, yeah, pretty much. And then my grade six teacher started reading it to our class a chapter at a time. And I remember sitting in class like, this is cool. And went home and read the rest of the first book and because you're a keener. It was an interesting book. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, go for it. Well, I, no, I had a question for Belle, and I guess maybe a way to proceed through our, all these fandoms. So I think most of us do know what Harry <laughs> Potter is, but if because it is, you know, uh, something that you um, consider a fandom of yours, uh, how would you describe it? Like, what would be your, you know, very brief sort of, um, you know, encapsulation of like Harry why you Potter love it. to somebody... Yeah, how, why you love it, but also, you know, what it is to somebody who actually like, doesn't know what it is. Like like the elevator pitch or whatever that's uh, that's called? Sort of. What, you know, however long you want it to be. I didn't want it to you know, have to be. <laughs> 140 characters. No, less than 40 minutes, please. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, how, how would you describe a Harry Potter for someone uh, who doesn't know Harry Potter? Um, I would describe it as... Uh, I don't know, like your standard sort of hero's journey story, sort of an entrance level hero's journey mm-hmm. story about uh, a boy finding out that there's this whole magical world that mm-hmm. no one realizes is there and his progress through that world. Nice. Mm-hmm. I think what's yeah, that's a good way really good it. about these books and movies is that there's this whole idea of family and friendship um, that, you know, all this magical stuff is happening, but what, what ties them together is their friendship and their loyalty to each other. Sure. Yeah. And I think that those are universal themes that people can relate to. And my boom mic is falling. I, I think those themes, <laughs> those themes are, are particularly uh, relevant to Harry Potter. I, one thing I remember when I read the first book um, and I actually read very few books, so it is significant that I did actually read that book just the first one, um, was that, you know, for what people consider it a children's mm-hmm. book, it, it respects the reader, unlike, I w- I'd say, there are children's books who don't, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they just treat Agreed. kids as, as, yeah. as silly or dumb, you know, or whatever. Just not, it, it They're not really talking to you like a child. Exactly. Like yeah, and especially <laughs> since it treats death as something significant, you know, not as a contrived sort of plot event. Like it, it's serious, you know, and then there's repercussions for actions. So I think that that was also another aspect uh, that I think uh, made the stories um, oh, fun. very effective. And, and if I could share like a, a, just a quick little story about, about this as well, because I, we're reading this, the first story to my son right now, he's seven. And one thing I noticed about these books is that they actually they grew up with the audience. Mm-hmm. So the first book was very much aimed at a younger audience. Mm. And then like already we've decided, well, we can probably go into chamber of secrets after that. But then mm. some of the other books have much more darker themes and we almost want yeah. him to get a little bit older before he reads those, before we read those too. Oh, no, I remember mm-hmm. that, yeah. uh, because of those books, you know, they wanted to make sure they were still relevant for the audience. And I remember commuting to yeah. commuting to work when the Deathly Hollows came out, and sitting on the go train and and looking at around all these business people, you know, in their in their suits and with their briefcases, mm-hmm. reading the Harry Potter books, mm-hmm. and, and it was it was fascinating. That was, that was me actually when I was commuting to Toronto. I was 
Perfect. Reading Harry yeah. Potter is really it was it was it was fun seeing that. And, and sometimes they would buy like the adult cover. Do you guys see the yes. adult covers of these books where it was just the title and there were no pictures? Well, there there'd be like a darker image of like ah. there's a there's a another book there with a diamond no, on it or something like yeah, that. Like, what are you yeah, trying really to hide? Symbolism. <laughs> it's still that's Harry. We're reading Harry Potter. Just enjoy it. You're a wizard, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was saying that. Um, we were just saying that your son is a little bit young for it. Um, I think Harry was ten in the first book, was he not? I'm turning eleven. 11. 11. Mm. So I feel like that's a good age to start in. Mm. Yeah. If you want to do it year uh, by year, because they yeah. grow up as, as you said, with each book. So that might be, maybe we, we'll start that. Like we I, bought the illustrated. They have a, there's like a oh. large hardcover illustrated. Also available mm-hmm. at Costco. Yeah. They're really, really nice. And so that's what we're sort of reading through. But nice. Yeah. We do. Please sponsor yeah. our podcast. We need the money. Um, we're 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 doing the exact same thing. The illustrated copy yeah. in in German for for my kids. But yeah, is the is um the first book just out of curiosity? Is the first book a philosopher or a sorcerer stone or a German in the German version? In German, um, I'm not actually sure how to translate the the words that they that they use. The oh, it's like the the stone of the wise is is the like direct translation but i'm i like that bad ben sorcerer's sh- stone and yeah. that's States, probably so. philosopher's stone yeah. it's probably philosopher's a good one yeah. yeah 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 it's i think that's probably <laughs> the closest yeah mm-hmm. um as harry potter fans um have you guys continued on and started watching the fantastic beasts <laughs> that's uh, a great question um series uh, I have not seen the new, the latest Fantastic Beasts, because uh, I would like to watch it in English. Uh, <laughs> it all... Isn't it more magical than German, though? I mean, it to me. Everyone's so angry in this movie. Um, what, about you? what about you, Mal? It's have so you seen terrible. the new one? Uh, I haven't seen the newest one, but I saw the first Fantastic Beasts. Uh, I just have a couple um, Thumbs up or thumbs down? You didn't look like I mean, it wasn't impressed. like... It was okay. Yeah, it was okay. I thought, it was all right. I thought that yeah. was okay. I, yeah. I feel like there's something to be said about ending a story and not continuing on for the sake of franchise. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. say it was bad, but it was just money. Not necessary. It, number one felt like it was building towards something that uh, the franchise. That Don't, yeah. don't, don't worry, because number two feels like another build to the sequel. No. I, I, I didn't mind random, number two, though, to be fair. Do, now, for those that have seen the second movie, do we want to chime in on the J.K. Rowling slash the movie writers retconning the story with the one character topic, or do we want to just leave no, that it, alone? It, 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 would, it would spoil a lot for the people that aren't here. <laughs> yes, right. And I'd, I'd rather not. Um, when everyone sees it, like maybe we'll talk about this movie after yeah. it comes out on Blu-ray, because I think it's interesting what she's done. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see where she goes from there. And I can't say yeah. anymore without spoiling. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I I would I would pop back for that episode. Excellent. You can pop back for cool. more episodes than just that. Hey. Well, I can I can also pop back for other episodes. Yes. Excellent. So we've talked about this um, newer fantasy, which I think um, brought a whole set of readers, like a whole new set of younger readers, back into books. Like you don't really see novelists like championing the the medium we talked about that um in a previous episode actually um but i think when i was younger the thing that got me into fantasy is definitely lord of the rings and those scholastic book fairs would definitely always have the lord of the rings like front and center when you entered into the library you're like look at these magical books 
And they'll be like, you should buy it because it's $15. Um, so Sue, they look too big for me. Uh, I just went to the Choose Your Own Adventures. But yes, <laughs> I actually read Lord of the. I read the Silmarillion first, which was a bad idea. Um, wow, yeah, talk about doing it the hard way. Yeah. I was in grade seven. I didn't oh, know what was. You read on. it in its original Elvish. <laughs> <laughs> so Stu, we're going to you with the Lord of the Rings. Um, yes. How were you introduced to it? And what do you love about it? Oh, okay. So how I was introduced to it is a bit of a long, whimsical story. Um, maybe not whimsical. Those are the best stories. I, we'll see if it was. Well, I'll let you judge if it's if it's whimsical or not. Um, so my first introduction was uh, through the how was it Baskin and Ross. Um, uh, Rankin and the, Bass. Rankin and Bass. I always want to call them a ice cream company. Um, <laughs> they, they, they are delicious just like They that. are. They are. They, but uh, they, they came out with a... Uh, eventually, they did a Lord of the Rings thing, but uh, they st- they did a version of The Hobbit, um, which, mm-hmm. as a kid, I was given... I don't know. I must have been... A, must, it was just after I moved to Canada, so I was probably about four or five at the time. That's um, too early. But, That's too early. <laughs> for, for The Hobbit? Four? I, I would yeah. say six. Okay. Maybe. Bear in mind, I was coming from South Africa, where I was like the only thing to watch was MacGyver, and there was stuff blowing up everywhere. You guys and your Mister Dress Up ain't got nothing on me. Wow, that's probably the fairest statement that's ever been made. In this yeah. Um, I, I assume you know how to blow up things with bubble gum and like a paperclip, though. Well, I, 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 you know what? I'm not allowed to tell you. Um, <laughs> No, but uh, so that was what I was first given. Um, uh, sort of, my, my parents gave me a whole bunch of these really cheap old movies because all my Disney stuff back from South Africa had to get, you know, we had to get rid of that because it wasn't compatible in Canada. Um, so I got into The Hobbit, and then a few years went by, uh, and eventually my parents, uh, one year for Christmas, um, gave me a copy of uh, Ralph. Bakshi, I always pronounce his name wrong. Um, yeah, right, yeah. They mm-hmm. gave me a version of that film, oh. and I watched it, and I fell asleep. And I watched it, <laughs> and I fell asleep. And I watched it, and I fell asleep. And that's just pre- for the longest time. It was the movie I put on when I was sick. Uh, eventually, one day, I said, "You know what? I'm going to watch this whole thing." Sat down, watched it, said, "Well, I like that. Where's more?" Um, and as we were talking about the internet just a little while ago, uh, this was the days before the internet really was a thing. Um, so I spent years looking for part two of that. Eventually, I just got so fed up with it. I just said, you know, screw it. I'm going to go read the books. Um, so nice. went down to the local library, uh, picked it up, read it. I was probably like grade six at the time. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, you know how people say like kids today have it easy. I, I hate being those, that sort of person, but <laughs> I mean, I had to hide my fandom, um, grow, like living in a small town in Canada. Uh, the people, when this was when I really started to find out that I was a lot nerdier than most other kids and, yeah. uh, it would, you know, end with a few wedgies if I uh, went a little too much into it. But um, I think that's a, that's a common theme for at least us that are in our 30s and late 20s. Mm-hmm. Late, 
Belle, how old are you? I'm 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 sitting in the 30s category now. Oh, yeah. Are you now? I couldn't remember. Um, the yeah, like when we were younger, the, the being a nerd thing um, was not really a cool thing. No, um, I think we all ended up hiding that, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that I went to university and met people that accepted me for. Well, you know, well, about uh, maybe about a year ago, um, I went and had coffee with uh, someone who I used to go to school with, who was like the popular girl in the class um, from when we were kids. And she was telling me about how she had finally watched Lord of the Rings and she loved it. And this small little part of me, this like, you know, sick grade six kid was like, yes, vindication, yes. <laughs> now marry me. <laughs> no, no, no. No, but, um, and you, you ask how I feel about it. Uh, and I would say like, I'm, I'm a fan of Harry Potter too. I feel like Harry Potter, if I really had to boil it down to one word, would be whimsy. I mean, it is, mm-hmm. there is something so fantastical about it that I have to love. With Lord of the Rings and just Tolkien in general, it's, the, the word would have to be epic. Um, yeah, I mean, it is yeah. so big, so mm-hmm. awe-inspiring. Um, and I mean, so many things, even moving outside of uh, Lord of the Rings, like into role playing and stuff like that. So much is owed to what Tolkien did. Um, yes. And just the way he took, I mean, if you look at fantasy prior to Tolkien, a lot of it was, you know, little children. Nymphs and stuff. And like, nymphs and, yeah, and like having a. With pipes and. Prancing around the woods. Yes, very much what the whole Tom Bombadil thing was in Lord of the Rings, which I hated. Um, I like that part. Every time I read it, it's like, "What are you doing? What is, what is this?" And then I. Oh, we can have a whole discussion of what. Anyway, no, 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 yeah. no, no. It's like talking about Star Wars here. Yeah, uh, but well, um, had, he brought a unique perspective to the genre in that because of his experiences in World War One, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. He brought a gravitas, like Stu was saying, to mm-hmm. this um, fantasy realm. Yeah. And I think it helped that he was friends with C.S. Lewis, so they got oh, yeah. to play off each other, right? Yeah. Um, and like since, since, uh, like since I read the books, um, like I have since been to Oxford, and I've been to all those places, like the, uh, or the, the, or the, uh, the Inklings, or the, uh, the, that group, like C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, mm-hmm. and their friends used to meet up in the back rooms, like I've had, you know, I've had drinks at the tables where they used to discuss their upcoming projects and I've visited Tolkien's grave and all that stuff. And that was just, um, it, even still, it, it felt like a very moving experience just to be in the, that place. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, also same trip. I also went to where uh, JK Rowling started writing Harry Potter, by the way, just kind of cool too. Uh, oh, the nerd cred. <laughs> so you went, you went full <laughs> Harry Potter and and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's cool. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I do want to second what Sue was saying. Like, I mean, the, the scale that Tolkien brought into uh, the world of fantasy. I mean, he pretty much established fantasy as what we consider fantasy now. Everything is always trying to approximate Tol- Tolkien. Um, and uh, I don't think any, there's very few examples of things that actually move outside that box that mm-hmm. was created by Tolkien. There, there oh. are. There's only two novels, one book series, and another book that I think can go up into that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but mostly nothing. Nothing can touch mm-hmm. it. So as a fan of Lord of the Rings before the films came out, mm-hmm. what did you think of the films when they came out? Like, I, was, I know when I saw it, um, I know hearing, being a nerd, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I remember hearing people going to theaters and being like, Star Wars changed how I saw movies. And mm-hmm. when I went and saw Fellowship of the Ring, I think I had that same experience because I had yes. seen nothing like that before. I was I was apprehensive going into it because um, I mean this you know this was what this was the world I like the fantasy world I'd been living in my own head and playing out and uh, for you know better part of a decent part of my life at that age um, and I knew okay the kids who have always been making fun of me for loving this are now going to get to see it without having to you know go through and read the books I'm terrified that they're going to mess this up and I'm just going to seem even stupider. Um, and uh, yeah, that didn't happen. I was thrilled by uh, Peter Jackson's interpretation. I mean, just seeing the uh, Middle Earth brought to life um, was uh, just jaw-dropping, inspiring, and I, I loved it. They made changes. Um, there were some changes that needed to be made. Others kind of wish they'd left in, but um, for the most part, uh, it, it was everything I wanted it to be. Nice. You know what was funny too is that when I went to see the movies, I hadn't read the books beforehand. I read them actually after the movies came out. Mm-hmm. And so I went to see Fellowship of the Ring and was totally blown away as well. But I didn't know that the uh, that it was a cliffhanger at the end of, of Fellowship. Oh, nice. And so I was like, what? wait, why? Why are the credits coming up? I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> you know, Frodo and Sam were, were at the other end of the river and they were about to, you know, head to Mordor. And I was like, okay, the movie's over. Why is the movie yes, over? Yes, that's the worst cliffhanger yeah. ever. My, my mom said the same thing. She's like, what? what? What's going on? I'm like, yeah. there's, there's two more. It's like, what? I had a... Uh, uh, the, uh, w- which, when, I, when I finished the second book, because um, I was getting these books from the library, um, I didn't have all of them. You know, I was going one by one by one to get them. And at the end of the second book, it's sort of written as though Frodo is dead. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I spent, like, I, I finished the book, like, Friday night, had to wait till Monday morning to go get the oh. third one. Oh, no. And even then, That's, like, in Return of the King, they don't get to Frodo for a while. It takes a while. Oh, yeah. But I was a wreck. I, that, <laughs> I, that was the first book I cried at um, that I remember. Oh, wow. That was your Rob Stark moment. <laughs> it was. It was. Oh, Game of Thrones. Now, it just hurts my soul. I, um, I, I think we can safely say we've all read the books or seen the movies, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, Stu, what was your thought of them changing the ending of Return of the King? Because when I, when I saw that, I was livid when I saw the ending of that movie. I understood why they did that. I, could, it, I was upset. I was hoping we were going to get to... For those listening at home who don't know... Um, in the books, uh, the it's, hobbits go back to uh, the Shire, and the Shire has been, uh, it looks like the Industrial Revolution is going on, um, maybe on a smaller scale, but uh, and the, it looks like nothing they remember, and uh, there's like a new boss who's installed himself back at Bag End, and it turns out that the, you know, the man uh, behind the curtain is Sourman. And there's a big showdown between Saruman and his goons and the hobbits themselves. Um, and they eventually kick Saruman out of the Shire. And, I mean, I was looking forward to seeing that. They'd, we'd glimpsed, like, a, a, a shot of it in the mirror of Gladriel in Fellowship of the Ring. 
um, mm-hmm. and it didn't, didn't follow through. I, I was upset. I like, I was disheartened. Maybe is the word to say, mm-hmm. but at the same time, um, I could understand from a narrative point of view for a film, why they wouldn't go there. And, uh, I just had to sort of, you know, say, well, they didn't do that, but they gave me the rest of this. I can't get angry at them. I can maybe disagree, but I can't be angry. See, for me, I only got angry because again, I saw all the movies in theaters when they premiered and it wasn't until the extended director's cut that you actually saw what happened to Soromon because they cut that mm. part out of the original theatrical release. So it's like, you have all this movie where you're like, but what happened to them? You're like, oh, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. They, they didn't do it. Well, where the hell's Saruman? Why isn't he a problem now? Yeah, yeah. So, Stu, you were talking about your love of fantasy and, you know, this epic fantasy like Lord of the Rings. Um, yes. How would you introduce someone new, even a child or even a parent, to the, the realm of this type of fantasy, like Tolkien-esque? Oh, um, apart from just, I mean, you can read the books, you can watch the movies, depending on your, uh, reading level or skill interest, skill interest, other words, I'm bad. Um, (laughs) depending on what sort of time you're prepared to put into it, you can go those routes, but epic fantasy is so much more, um, than uh, just those books, just those movies. Um, I mean, the, the one thing I uh, s- sort of takes up a lot of my mindset these days is just things like D and D. It's uh, yeah, it, it's it's a huge part of my life. I uh, do a lot of miniature painting. Uh, started getting into scenery building, and there are so many great amazing shows now which is uh, something i think a few years ago would have been unheard of but uh, twitch streams have been putting out uh, D, so you can just sit down every week and watch an adventure fresh and happening um the, the big show that i'd like to toss out if anybody hasn't heard of it called critical role which has got a bunch of um, voice actors from la uh, with an incredible dungeon master uh, sort of running the show. His stories are fantastic. And he has to sort of... Um, I mean, the, the, the cast regularly pulls the rug out from underneath his feet at the drop of a hat, and he sticks every landing. Um, and, I mean, if, if, if you like uh, animation or video games, you're probably going to recognize, if, or if you're into it in a big way, you're going to recognize some of the people who play on this show. Um, and, I mean, it's shows, shows like that can be a big time commitment, um, but they are well worth the watch, and you get that same sort of epic rush uh, when you, when it, or at least I do, when I sit down now uh, and just get to enter a new world every week and um yeah I, I, I that is what i recommend you just find something that uh, find a world that you can be submersed in and just fall in love with it that's that's the only way to get into something like this that's fair like um critical role has some fantastic stories like me and Stu have talked about this at length um before and it has people like laura bailey Harp sound. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, oh, hang on. Uh, hang on. Uh, let me get it. Let me get it. There we go. 
good lord that speaking <laughs> um, but yeah um and then the, they do weave some great stories and it is D is one of those great things that people can do either tabletop like they can do it that way or they do the live action uh, role playing like larping yes um Another thing that I see a lot of people doing in real life is Quidditch. This is me segueing back to Harry Potter. Um, how would you guys... Um, Quidditch. Quidditch, yes. Yeah, Quidditch. You know, Mac had a Quidditch team, which I thought was very funny um, when we were there. Um, how would you introduce a parent or two or like uh, a kid to the Harry Potter book? Like you could do the books or the movies. Um, let's start with uh, Mal. What, what would you... How would you introduce someone new to that? Um, right. Well, because I started with the books and read through them before the first movie ever out, like I'm partial to books. Um, I think there's so much more to tell that they have to put out in the film for time. Um, but depending on the kid, I think either choice, you just have to know really your audience is, which would draw them in. Yeah, so knowing your audience. What do you think, Bo? I couldn't hear anything that Mallory said, so hopefully I'm not overlapping too much. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a little in and out, Mal, but oh, I, I, I think... <laughs> well, so we're, we're actually introducing Harry Potter to our kids now, so that's um, a very hot topic at the moment. Um, I, I think it would depend on who you're introducing it to, and... Um, I think one of the one of the big things about Harry Potter is that because it's sort of now stuck its fingers into so many different kinds of media, you have a lot of possible ends. So, you know, not only can you consider the age of, of the person, um, but you can consider what they're into. So if you want to introduce it to your kid, and your kid's not a big book reader, but they do love video games... Um, the 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 Lego Harry Potter games are actually yeah pretty pretty good. Agreed. Yeah. Um. So that can be a good way to sort of get them in there and and introduce them and in, and mm-hmm. get them interested in reading from there. Yeah. Um. But I um I agree with what was said earlier that the that the books are sort of they skew darker as they go further. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it does have some themes that are a little bit intense. So for our kids, the movies were too intense. Um, so mm-hmm. we're starting with the books, and we're mm-hmm. just going to start with the first one and, and wait a while um, yeah. because mm-hmm. that that does get pretty complex. Yeah, that's so. interesting. Like I wonder, like imagining something in your brain while you're reading something versus seeing it like straight up in a film, like how that. Yeah, I think it depends. How that works on, with the kid. Yeah, it hmm. depends on the kid. I think we need, we need, could imagine something scarier than what's on the screen. That's true. Oh. That's you, true. you, yeah, you could. I don't know. Kids here do not get uh, the same kind of media exposure that that I think we're used to in North America. So a lot of movies that I think we would have grown up with is is a total no go here. Mm. Like. My kids are all between the age of four and eight, and they're watching things that a three-year-old would watch in in North America, huh. because the, the the media that we would consider normal is just way too intense for them. How the hell did they put out the Never-Ending Story then? I, that stuff was. 
I was just gonna ask that. That's a, that's a teenager's book, apparently. But yeah, I, I think I think there 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 is to a certain degree a, a line between like directly post-war media um, uh, and the, the sort of like mm-hmm. 1970s, 1980s sort of media and what they have kids watching now. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That'd be good for uh, for another podcast, definitely exploring some of these cultural differences. Yeah, for sure. So we, we, started, we started with fantasy and I think probably one of the, no, not one of the, the probably the biggest franchise right now is Star Wars. Oh, for sure. Um, honestly, um, George Lucas was actually named the richest man in North America, what, last week or two weeks ago? Um, because of all, everything he does and what he's developed. And, you know, what he's known for is Star Wars, um, a mix of science fiction and, and fantasy. Um, I know he likes calling it sci-fantasy, and I wanted to bring that onto the table because it is one of the biggest fandoms. And you could tell that over the past number of years, like the heated debates between Star Wars fans are everywhere. Yeah, It, it used to be just under the confines of the internet, but now it's actually... It's you know, mainstream. It's, yeah. it's mainstream. It's gone on the news. It's really weird. Yeah, I'd um, say maybe in the last, uh, maybe 90... 95 episodes of the show also you could probably determine some some level of fandom that i've talked about should i put on the helmet right now sure no no i'm not (laughs) well yeah let me ask you eric what how would you describe star wars for someone who's never heard of it well like bell saying about harry potter was it bell who talked about joseph campbell's hero's journey Mm -hmm. yes yeah Yeah, so star wars pretty much is the epitome of the hero's journey the original trilogy at least um the Luke Skywalker um, rise and fall and rise again. Um, uh, it follows a, you know, a farm boy who came from nothing and goes on this epic journey, another epic, like, like mm-hmm. Stu, epic oh, yes. journey um, across the universe, finds some new friends um, and ends up, you know, saving everything, saving the universe. Cause there was only that original trilogy. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Um, it's actually really interesting. Like when I was in university um, and I was studying Star Wars, that's not right. Um, when I was studying um, classics and we talked about the hero's journey. Is that right? No, it might have been liter- one of my English classes. Anyway, I have Joseph Campbell's novel, or not novel, his textbook. And seeing how um, that archetype is used in so much media is crazy. And then seeing it on Star Wars is even more interesting. I don't know why we got into this topic. Well, no, no. I mean, just, you know, how you would describe it. I mean, I think from a, from a very like macro level, I mean, that is, that is a really good way to encapsulate what Star Wars is. Uh, But about uh, what is Star Wars uh, to you? Like, what are the elements that uh, make you uh, declare it a fandom of yours? Well, the, the thing that I love about at least episodes one to six is that there's this sense of hope and longing in every episode. Like, it may end on a down note. Han Solo might get taken away and sent to Jabba the Hutt, but there's still that hope that things are going to be better mm-hmm. at the end of that. Like, they always come together, and you know that there, there's something better coming. Right. Um, I think the fantastical elements, the idea... I think the, the ideas of the Force and people all being luminous beings that are connected to each other, I think that's something that we can take away in our own personal life so that people don't, you know, just think about themselves and mm-hmm. how they're separate from others. Like uh, there's a lot of philosophy in there that I, that I've taken in, in as a child. And mm-hmm. I think put in my own life. Mm-hmm. And wow. I think that's 
interesting, especially since the first time I saw Star Wars, I was two. So wow. Star Wars has always been in my life. There's not been a time that wow. I haven't thought or, you know, enjoyed Star Wars. Even now. And you said it was fight. too young for me to start watching the Hobbit. <laughs> 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 to be fair, the first movie I saw was Return of Jedi's and there were giant killer tele- teddy bears that, you know, I didn't think were killing things. They were just knocking wood, like uh, rocks on bad guys' heads. Just hugging. They really were cannibals. I only just came to realize that Ewoks were cannibals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they tried to eat Chewie and all the, their friends. But, um, uh, yeah. Well, that's a great. I don't know. That, yeah. That's a very good uh, summary of that. I mean, does anybody else have like an early uh, Star Wars introduction story they'd like to share? Something that you know stands out to them. I was terrified of Yoda as a child. Yoda? <laughs> Yoda? Yeah. Oh My no! Put a picture of Yoda on his door so I wouldn't go into the room. that's that's my earliest memory of star wars (laughs) wow so you actually hadn't actually seen star wars you just saw the character and it was Uh, freaky to you i feel like my dad was watching it on tv and i was like that thing is scary Mm. meaning yoda and then that that sparked my brother on the door but that yeah i didn't (laughs) watch full star wars and then i went back and watched my my now husband to watch all of them (laughs) good job tristan (laughs) <laughs> uh, I I definitely did again like like Eric I did see uh, Jedi in theaters I do remember it because I'm a, a little bit older than you so I do remember going to see that movie I remember it too oddly enough mm-hmm. having very little context because I was not that much older than you so my parents were like we're going to take you to see this movie it'll be really fun and whimsical and I was like I had no idea what was going on mm-hmm. other than the crazy old man was scary sure mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and it's funny like back then like they had the toys and everything like the the genius of George Lucas is that he took a large like the 100% percentage from the toy sales but like when I was a kid like I didn't have a lightsaber and stuff so I'd use like those long cardboard tubes like yeah, he brought all this tubes. imagination especially since mm-hmm. when we were growing up there was no more Star Wars it ended after Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. it was, it was mm-hmm. just a thought in our heads um, you had the cartoons and whatnot but nothing really until the mid '90s, when people started coming out with new video games with filmed um, mm. footage, mm. and then you know eventually yeah. the prequels. So I think the the, the thing I loved about it is that it brought all this. Um, there's so many different archetypes in it. There's the swashbuckling. There's the science. There's the there's the the magic and the fantasy, and it's all into one. There's spaceships that look really cool, and there's guns. Um, for the Americans out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a very colorful, I mean, the, the art direction um, and, and the story behind, you know, all the artists who came together to work on the original look and feel of Star Wars is, is really one of the most incredible aspects of it. And I think that's what made it so, so colorful, so vibrant, um, so uh, alive uh, and, and so uh, inspirational, at least on an imaginative level at the very least for any kid who saw it because yeah, you didn't really see like a world that was that filled out and, and realized that level of special effects, you know, and that's, I think that is a big part of, you know, why it stands out as well as, well as that it has, you know, good feelings as well. Yeah. I was going to say, it was kind of the, the, like the Harry Potter story. It was like, um, you had this in Harry Potter, you had this kid who, who discovered when, when things were getting really bad, he discovered that he had this magic power. And in Star Wars, you have Luke Skywalker who discovers that he has this magic power. And, and as a kid watching these movies, you're thinking, oh, maybe, maybe I have this power too. You know, maybe if I, if I stare long enough at that, at that object on the table, maybe I can make it move. And I've, I've totally tried that. I've tried that too. And 
most likely. Still working on it. It'll happen one day. I, I, I'm okay. sure I did it earlier today. But um, <laughs> Show of hands, how many people, when you've walked through an automatic door, has done the hand swipe oh, like Vader? This, yeah. this is definitely oh, a visual yeah. medium. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. Is up. Everyone um, the answer is anyone ever listening to this set of scenes, Star Wars. It's true. <laughs> Um, I don't wait, do it for was, was, those tours. I do it for. Um, I, I try and time elevators. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, come More on. Deliberate. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. And um, it's there's there's so much that like I'm gonna talk about this, and I know it's a heated uh, subject, and it's the Last Jedi. Um, I think what like I know I don't like it. I know a lot of people don't like it on this podcast um all of us pretty much <laughs> but i think what ryan johnson wanted to just think about it now what wanted to encapsulate with those kids at the end was that you know that that idea of that imagination that fantasy of like being that resistance fighter and you know being being it would those kids were us in the 80s when we didn't have star wars mm-hmm. i think that's what he tried to do he failed the rest of the movie, personally, I know Hawk likes it, um, but I think that's that's the feeling he tried to encapsulate. Well, well, I'm sure we'll have a good episode about this when the last part finally comes out. Yeah, we can you know, sure. come to. But, I mean, I mean, but just, yeah, just yeah. in general, I think because sure. I, I I'm almost sure that people were having the same discussions when Empire came out. Where it's like yeah, it's uh, hard you can't, to say. I don't but, know. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's like you know, like like you can't have Luke get his hand cut off and Vader's his dad and There's, Han's going to Jabba. Like people were, I I guarantee, were just as angry. That, uh, there that was some anger. It's just that because of the lack of internet and connecting with all these people, there were there were yeah. a lot of like if you look at Starlog back in that, that mm-hmm. time, you, mm-hmm. you can see there were a number of letters to letters the to the editor that yeah. talked about how angry they were that. No, Darth Vader so, can't be a uh, like a crusty old white guy. Um, yeah, that whole thing. Um, but, <laughs> Bringing yeah. Kevin Smith back in. Um, I think like the good thing about now, like having so much Star Wars, even though there is some onset Star Wars fatigue, is that they like I'm going to go into the introducing it to younger people or parents is that they have all of these. Um, shorter animations or cartoon series that kids can get into. They have book series. They have the golden, mm-hmm. you know, those yeah, golden, golden books. I, I have yeah. the whole set. Those I have those fantastic. too. Awesome. They have those. As I prefer Star the Wars last Wars. Jedi version golden book. <laughs> exactly. It leaves out a lot of things. Um, but they also have like on, on Star Wars, um, on, sorry, on YouTube, they have these short animated, like two minute things that talk about um, like different aspects of Star Wars. And it's, 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 it's wonderfully animated. And then it's for all ages for kids. And then you get Rebels and Clone Wars and you get now Star Wars Resistance that are just wonderfully animated and wonderful tales that can appeal to both kids and adults. I love Star Wars. Bam. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, here's just a random interjection. Have any of you guys read the original Star Wars book? Like I, the one that George Lucas wrote? Yep. I have it. It was released 1976 before the, mm-hmm. the film yeah. came out. Um, it has a gold cover. And the original yeah. poster that was like more Japanese inspired. It, it actually included the, the Jabba scene and uh, a, an extra Dubak scene in it, which was neat. Um, as well as the whole Meech. here's the original backstory for the Emperor, which I thought was way more entertaining than what they actually had done. Yeah, it was it was it was sort of weird because it was not just straight up in the book. It was like part of like 
I don't know how to explain it. It was like yeah. notes and in there. It, it, it was yeah. very oddly thin. They, yeah. they wanted to they wanted to build a lot of um, hype towards the the movie because no mm-hmm. one knew if it was going to sell or not. So they're like, let's yeah. ship out this book before it comes out, and maybe we'll mm-hmm. sure. drum up some buzz. Yeah. yeah, is this one publication? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have the. Uh, I have. The, it's the original novelization trilogy. Like, yeah. The original trilogy. It's, it's, it's gold. It's very cool to read. You, um, the 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 trilogy one has a black cover. The yeah. individual book is gold, mm-hmm. and I can show it to you later. I find it upstairs because yeah. <laughs> I don't De- have my novel down here. I just throw it out there as anyone that's actually a big fan. I always recommend giving the giving like the, mm-hmm. the very much a new hope a read, if not all three books, because there's a lot of interesting. Mm-hmm. Little nuance that's very much either ignored or changed in the series, or yeah. just not even mentioned. Like they they talk about Yoda's uh, first name and uh, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that, that's a good is, point. Mm-hmm. His first name isn't Yoda. No, no, it's not. No. <laughs> oh dear, uh, it's I think it's Dimension or something like that. <laughs> I can't remember. I haven't read it in a long time. Yeah, yeah. No, no, but no, no that, wait. That mention is a. Uh, is not mind that not mentioned, <laughs> but you know, that, that's a great point, Matt. I mean, you know, in terms of introductions, in terms of you know introducing people, because there is such a plethora of Star Wars everything now. You know, it, it's a little bit like you pick and choose, but that would be a good you know original sort great. of point of entry, uh, which uh, I think a lot of people wouldn't have considered. So yeah, that, that's 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 a good thing to point out. Yoda's first name is Minch. I added the N. My bad. <laughs> All right. I'm sad so, that I remembered that. Not really, but no, I would have been disappointed. If you... You're proud that you. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually beaming right now. <laughs> well, that's it for us at Geeks with Kids. Part two of our celebration on fandom will be out soon. If you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca, and don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com/geekswithkids. Follow us on Twitter at geekswithkidscn. Check out our pics on Instagram at geekswithkids. And you can find all of this good stuff on our website at www.geekswithkids.ca. So if you like what you hear, why don't you hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.